Ah, oh, good morning. How are we doing today? Yeah, you guys in love with Jesus? I love it. Hey, so glad to see you guys this morning. Thank you so much, everyone, tuning in online this morning. If you would, take a second, if you don't mind, and just like and share that live stream and help us get that word out there to reach as many people as we possibly can. I love this. Um, the further away we get from vaccines being made available to the public, the more and more new faces I see or familiar faces I see coming back into church. So guys and gals, I'm, I'm glad to see some of y'all working your way back in. I know we're still socially distanced and looking good in here, but let me tell you, thank you for, uh, for being in service today. We're going to continue answering questions and dealing with topics that you guys picked, okay? So don't blame me. This is your fault. <laughs> this is your fault. And we thought it would be fun to do a series called Asking for a Friend. It's been a couple of years since we've done a series like this where we just give you the opportunity to, to bring up the topics that you might want to hear preached on or taught about or questions that you might have. And we've got a ton of questions that have come in. Um, today we're going to be answering a very important question um, because sooner or later the subject that we're dealing with today is going to happen to you it's going to happen to me it's going to happen to all of us so we're going to begin to answer the question today what do you do if you get hurt in church well that's a great question what do you do because like I said earlier it's going to happen it's going to happen um, you're going to get hurt, I'm going to get hurt eventually, unfortunately. And what we do with it, how we process it, and what we hold ourselves accountable to during those seasons um, either sets us up for success or failure in our walk with God. It's a very important thing. Uh, so we want to deal with this today. And it just as a show of hands, just so I know, how many of you would say you either have experienced being hurt in church by someone or you know someone who has been hurt in church before was, yeah a lot of hands going up in here probably you guys watching online have experienced that and and I get it it's happened to a lot of us you know there are 5.8 million roughly unchurched people in the state of Georgia don't go to church right now I think that number is probably a little bit higher now because of what we've seen happen during this COVID season one-third of all churchgoers they were going to church before COVID stopped going to church during COVID. A third of the church disappeared. No longer attending online, in-house, nothing. No small groups, no Bible studies, nothing. Um, we've also seen recently on the back end of that, because of the disconnect and because of people staying away, we've seen in pockets through the country numbers as high as a 50% transfer of church membership from one church to other churches crazy season because people have stayed home and have been disconnected from their body of believers and have through a service or an invite hit some kind of emotional connection to another church and followed that wave and said bye to their church because of the disconnect that happened over time uh, it's a phenomenon that's happening in the country today all the pastors in the country are going what in the world is going on with these people and I think part of that though has to do with unresolved issues and conflicts in the church that hadn't have been dealt with and so there's a convenient out to just move on and start over rather than dealing with the issue itself 5.8 million people in the state of georgia roughly that don't go to church and i think one of the reasons for that is because they've been to a church and i'm not slamming church today um, but i am saying this you know there's a lot of people in church that can say some really mean things that can do some really mean things as a pastor I could just go on forever telling you story after story after story of being hurt in church um, before I was a pastor and especially after I've become a pastor these stories people that do things that don't make sense you know why why is it in church that we treat someone great until we find out they vote differently than us? I thought the love of Jesus covered everybody. Yeah. 
well, they shouldn't vote that way because the Bible says not to. How about giving them some flipping space to grow in their walk with God and discover that for themselves instead of making them dig in like an Alabama tick on what they think they believe right now? It's only in church that we can say stuff like, I'm so glad I'm not gay. And then we gossip and slander the gay person that's in service trying to get their life right with Jesus. There's a double standard there in a way. Um, It's only in church that we idolize our preferences and our agendas and stamp the, the name of God on them and give some kind of spiritual validity to things that we think are important. We fall in love with songs. We fall in love with worship styles. We fall in love with decor and color and chairs and and all of this, like chairs in this room. We have had these chairs since Moses came across (laughs) into the promised land, right to the banks of the Jordan River. We've had these chairs forever. Look, whoever made these chairs, I would buy anything they ever made. They could make a stick of gum, and I would buy the stick of gum because I know the stick of gum is going to last forever. You know, sooner or later, we may change these chairs, and people will lose their God-blessing mind. Why do we change the chairs? I like the old chairs. I thought we were supposed to be focused on getting people saved. I thought we were supposed to be focused on letting people know about Jesus and not our agendas, you know. And it's in church a lot of times where we get hurt over things that don't matter, and we hurt people over things that don't really matter. And I think we could do better across the board. I think I can do better across the board. I, I get it, though. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to, to be hurt. I've had some of the most hateful things ever said to me, said to me in church. Oh, my gosh. That's just, I um, went through a season of life where, you know, my wife and I, we only had one vehicle. So she would go to work, and it would fall on uh, the church we were serving in. It would fall on staff meeting days. And so I would have to walk like six miles to the church for a staff meeting and walk in and then get fussed out because I showed up two minutes late even though I walked six miles to get there. Something's jacked up with that. You know what I mean? Um, I know what it's like to have people say just incredibly, ridiculously hurtful things to you. Um, My wife and I lost a child, and it was only, I mean, less than a week away from or after us losing the child, um, someone from the church came in and said, hey, really stinks that you lost the kid, but we've got a lot of stuff to do. You need to get over that, put it behind you, trust God, and get moving. Thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes you just want to throw punch people. Just want to throw. Listen, these lights, I don't know what's going on with them. You guys watching online, look, I'm watching you guys do this and do that, and it's messing with me. So look, don't let that mess with you. It's a little technical problem. We'll get it fixed and resolved. You don't let it distract you. I won't let it distract me. Is that good? All right. So, I get it. A lot of hurt in church, and probably you guys have experienced that um, as well. And I want you to know today that we're not going to do what a lot of churches do when we talk about being hurt in church, where the theme of the message is, get over it. Okay? Get over it. Put on your big boy pants. Put on your big girl pants. Hop back on that horsey. And ride on, ride on, ride on in the army of Jesus. Hey, which is nothing wrong with saying that, I guess, but I found that when I'm dealing with hurt, that kind of talk doesn't help me at all. It makes me resent you just a little bit, even if I know that it's the truth. You know, there are great times to tell the truth, and there are not great times to tell the truth. All truth doesn't need to be told, and you can speak the truth in love and use wisdom with what you say and Sometimes it's better to help somebody up and dust them off than it is to blast them and hit them with a two-by-four of the Word of God. And when you're hurt, that's one of those times. So I did some extensive study on the psychology of being hurt. And I landed on a really good reason why being hurt hurts. And the reason is this. The reason that being hurt hurts is because the hurt is real and it hurts. Take a second. You'll get it. You guys at home, hold on, drink one more sip of coffee. It'll come to you. All right. It it hurts because it hurts. It hurts because it hurts. 
So whatever it is or whatever it was, whether it happened 20 years ago or it happened yesterday, it hurt, and that's why it hurts. So that's why we're not saying, hey, get over it. Because when you say get over it, you're diminishing the impact of what a person is walking through in their life. You know, and when I look at the life of Jesus, I mean, he's, he says some tough stuff to the Pharisees, and he says some tough stuff to the disciples, but overall, the life of Jesus, he spent 33 and some odd months, 33 and some odd months, 33 years, and some odd months of his life, finally got it out, <laughs> learning what it was like to be you and me so that he could not just be a redeemer, but so he could be a kinsman redeemer so that he can understand what it was like to hurt, so he could understand what it was like to be tempted, so he could understand what it was like to be betrayed, to have those knives put in your back when you least expected it. And I'm telling you, after this year, your pastor can tell but, but I'm telling you, if ever there was a year for a pastor to learn how to heal quick, it's been this year. Um, there have been opportunities. And I, that's why I say when I say I get it, I get it. And when I say I know hurt hurts, I'm with you on that. I've experienced it, uh, just like you have. We're not going to diminish that. It hurts. It hurts. And it's funny because some of the things that hurt in one season wouldn't hurt us in any other season, you know? It's like if I had a little splinter, I mean, just an itty-bitty little splinter, and I put it in my forearm right here, just whoop, accidentally got a splinter. I mean, it hurt a little bit, but I could deal with it. I could move on. It wouldn't, it wouldn't disable me or shut me down. You know, I wouldn't be crippled by the pain. It's no big deal. If I got it in my hand, it might hurt a little bit more, but it's not going to cripple me or shut me down. Not a little bitty splinter like that. But you take that little splinter and you put it up underneath a fingernail, whoo, man, I'll make you sing any kind of song I want to hear. If I can get a hold of that thing and wiggle it, my gosh, that is a different kind of pain right there. It's a different kind of hurt right there. Sometimes things hurt more in some seasons than they do in others. And there's no rhyme or reason to it other than it just hurts. Usually hurt, it hurts the most and damages the most when we're tired. You ever go through those seasons where you're just spent mentally and physically, maybe even emotionally? Man, that's usually when I get hurt. The little things that normally don't bother me, bother me. The things that get said that just normally would roll off my back, they don't. They stick because I'm just spent, you know. And so those are the times you have to watch out for. But it hurts because it hurts. And I don't want to diminish that. And I don't want you to feel like today we're saying get over it. We're not saying get over it. What we want to do is first recognize the fact that hurts there, okay. People can get hurt in church. And the hurt that you feel, whether anybody else thinks it's legitimate or not, if it hurts you, then it's a real hurt. And it needs to be dealt with. And what we want to do is walk through some things today. The question was, what do you do if you've been hurt in church? I want to recognize it and talk about it a little bit and kind of dig into this hurt and kind of figure out why it's doing what it's doing. And then we want to land on some solid ground in Scripture and put together a good game plan on how to come out the other side standing on our own two feet. It's okay to be hurt. Okay, look at the person next to you and say, it's okay to be hurt. Okay? The goal is not to stay hurt. The goal is to heal. Okay? The goal is to heal. So we know people can get hurt in church, and I did some more study. And I did a whole lot of research, and I came up with a reason why people get hurt in church by people in church. Are you ready for this? There's no such thing as a perfect person, and because churches are made up of people, there are no perfect churches. People are in churches. People have a track record of being jacked up. People have a track record of not being perfect. In fact, look at the person next to you and say, hey, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. Some of y'all had a little too much fun saying that to the person sitting next to you. We, we have a special prayer service here at the end of, uh, of service here today. But no, it's, it's something for us to keep in perspective is that churches are full of people that are messed up that need Jesus. 
it's very important for us to remember that so that we don't put unrealistic expectations on people that they can't meet. Sooner or later, a person's going to make a mistake. Sooner or later, you're going to come to a service, and everything's going to work great except for this one flipping light right here. <laughs> Sometimes things just aren't going to work the way they're supposed to work. Driving me nuts, man. I'm going to go home and just say, wipe, wipe, wipe. Crazy. We're going to get through this, though. God Almighty. So people aren't perfect. Listen, there is no such thing as a perfect church. You know, the old joke is if you do find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll ruin it. Yeah. You'll mess it up. Oh, I made the light mad. There we go. Hey, is there a way to just bump up the, the stage lights, the wash lights, and kill the spotlights? We'll try that. There's always one guy that says it can't be done. <laughs> somebody, somebody with faith back there, make it so I believe you. So you guys do what you got to do. I think before I might have a seizure and fall out on the floor if this thing keeps struggling like that. So um, no churches are perfect. Listen, there's no perfect staff. There's no such thing as a perfect pastor. Hey, we're fallible. It means we can make mistakes. All right, me included. Hey, hang out with me. You'll find out. Okay, I'm not a perfect guy. Listen, that doesn't mean I don't have a heart that wants to please the Lord. That doesn't mean that I'm not, I'm not striving for excellence and holiness in my life and that I don't want to please God. It just means at the end of the day, the Bible verse is true where it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned in the past and we continually fall short of God's standard in our own strength. So we all need his grace. So I think it helps some when we're hurt to remember that even though the hurt is real, sometimes instead of holding on to that hurt and letting it become bitterness, that we take that hurt and realize that maybe it came from an imperfect person that's covered by the same blood of Jesus that we are and at the end of the day, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and nobody's better than anybody else. We're all capable of blowing it. We're all capable of making those mistakes. So maybe a little bit of grace goes a long way in situations where we find ourselves hurt because there's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as perfect people, myself included. Okay? I'm going to say it. You included too. Okay? Man. As a pastor, whew, leaders, man, you know, leaders get hurt by people that they lead probably 10 times as much as the people that they lead get hurt by the leader because the leader is responsible for helping them step out of comfort zones and challenging them. And a lot of times when people get to the edge of a comfort zone, they back up and they blame the leader for pressurizing them and pushing them and trying to control them when the leader is just saying, hey, I'm trying to get you a step closer to who you said God's calling you to be. You know, and so it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Um, but nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And I think most people understand that at the end of the day. So if we get hurt by people that we know are imperfect, you know, what, what's, what's the X factor there? You know, I don't think anybody's going to walk into um, a football stadium and say, I guarantee you everybody in this football stadium is perfect. Especially if you're at a game where the University of Alabama is playing a football game. Guarantee you, you're not going to find perfect people there. Now, I'm not even going to talk about the dangers of walking into a Tennessee football game. Or, you know, Falcons, closer, you got more of a chance there, but definitely not a Saints game, right? It's just not going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Y'all watching the NFL draft right now? Anybody watching that? Man, I don't know whether to, to cheer at some of these picks or go, what are you thinking right now? I don't understand that. Sorry, that was a rabbit. I was chasing. But. So what's, what's the X factor then? If we understand in principle that there's no perfect people, why do we allow ourselves to get hurt? Or why do we get hurt by people we know will eventually hurt us if we give them enough time? And I think the answer is found in the book of Second Samuel, chapter 4. 
you got your tablets or your phones or your Bibles, you can, you can go there. All these notes, by the way, are on the, the YouVersion um, Bible app. You can follow along. Second Samuel 4, verse 4. This Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but she was hurried to leave, and he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. If you're looking for a name for your kid, there's a great candidate, Mephibosheth. I don't even know how you would make that a nickname. Phoebe, I guess. I don't know. Meth, but that's too close to meth. So that, that could be bad. I don't know. So... What happens here is this. Saul and Jonathan are out in this battle. Saul's the king of Israel. He's out in this battle with Jonathan, his son. And they both die in this battle. The army of Israel is overrun. And the enemy is coming towards the cities. And so everybody's fleeing the cities because they know what's going to happen when the armies get there. And it's not going to be good. So... The nurse, who's in charge of taking care of Mephibosheth, picks him up and runs with the rest of them. And in the process of running, in her haste, she drops him. And he's crippled from the age of five on in life. He was dropped by somebody that he was trusting to take care of him. And I think a lot of times... This is where offense hurts the most. When it comes from the unexpected. When it, deep hurt occurs when the offense comes from an unexpected source. You know, if the army's coming in and they're shooting their arrows and they're waving their swords, then if I get hit by an arrow, okay, that's an opposing army, and I knew where it was coming from. I expected the arrows to fly. If the army's coming in and the swords are drawn and I might get hit by a sword, I expected it because I knew that the possibility was there. I knew where it was coming from. But I was trusting you to carry me out of harm's way and you hurt me when you were supposed to look after me. And it's not that we know that people are imperfect. It's just I think that the deepest hurt comes from those that we never expected it to come from. The ones that were close to us. The ones, and I know that pastors aren't perfect and they're human, but I never expected the pastor to do that. Never expected them to say that. I, I trusted that person and I, you, you were right there with me and we were prayer partners and I opened up my heart and my soul to you and I told you things that I never told anybody else and I didn't expect you to go and tell it to half the church. I trusted you and you did something that I didn't expect and the offense and the hurt came through my surprise at your behavior because it caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for it. And David, when he's writing in the book of Psalms, he deals with something just like this. In Psalms 55, David's writing and he says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend. There is somebody else... I could roll with it. But you? I didn't expect it to come from you. I didn't expect the harsh rebuke to come from you. I didn't expect the moral failure to come from you. I didn't expect, and this is where the hurt becomes the hurt, I think, because it catches us off guard from a source that we didn't see it coming from. Everybody say, didn't see it coming. Sometimes you just don't see the things coming. You know this, that David's writing about here in this particular psalm, he's writing about his son, Absalom. Absalom leaded a, he led a rebellion against David, split the kingdom, took the kingdom away from his father. But you know, it started over a surprise offense. 
Absalom had a sister named Tamar. And Tamar's half-brother name was Amnon. And Amnon was head over heels for his stepsister. I know it's creepy and it's weird. But Amnon tricked Tamar into coming into a secluded place with him, forced himself on her, and raped her, sexually assaulted her. And she ran out after it happened, and Absalom knew that it happened, and word got to King David that it had happened, and word spread through the circles of the kingdom that it had happened. And the Bible says that David was enraged at what had happened. But he didn't do anything to punish Amnon for raping Tamar. Absalom took offense at that. The Bible says for two years that hurt festered and grew in Absalom's heart until he had the perfect opportunity to exact his revenge on the person that raped his sister so that he could get justice where he was denied justice from his father. And Amnon was struck down and killed. And then what happened was Absalom had to flee the country and go to a foreign land in exile because David found out that he had killed. It, it, it got hairy. Well, family business can just get hairy sometimes, can't it? It just got complicated. So Absalom spends three years in this foreign land Three years, festering, angry. He got his revenge, but now he's in exile from a father who didn't do anything to exact justice on a situation that he went ahead and handled the business for. Three years later, he's invited to come back in to the kingdom, and David doesn't see him. You can come back in, but don't come visit me. We're not going to talk because of the offense that's there. For the next four years, Absalom would walk out to the courts of the kingdom and stand by the gate and say, oh, if only there were a judge in Israel that would hear your case. And you can go to the king, but he's not going to listen to you. But if you'll come to me, I'll make sure that your problems get solved and you get justice where you're seeking it. Because the king won't do it for you, I'll do it for you. Where do you think the motivation for that kind of talk came from? He's talking about the same king, the same father that denied him justice, at least in his mind, all those years before. So now nine years has gone by and Absalom wins the hearts of all the people in Israel he becomes a secondary focal point. And he tricks his dad into letting him go down to a place called Hebron. And he goes down to Hebron and he declares himself king and he's accepted as king by the people. And there he divides and splits the kingdom of Israel. And there he overthrows his father. There David has to flee his kingdom because of the incoming armies raised by his son over an offense, over a hurt that caught somebody by surprise. Listen, unresolved hurt always ends in division and destructions. Every time. Every time. That's why I tell you, if, if you're hurt, if you've got something unresolved, get it fixed because it's not going to do anything but complicate your relationships. It's not going to do anything but bring division into settings and relationships and family and churches and ministries. It brings nothing but division. You're a walking time bomb ready to go off. You got to get that stuff resolved. David's kingdom was split. I wonder how many churches are split every year because of unresolved hurt. I wonder how many callings are missed out on. I wonder how many families deal with drama because of unresolved issues. You know, I wonder how many churches never reach the potential that they could and because of the unresolved hurt that happens in church. You got to deal with it. You know, there's a perfect will of God, and then there's the evil plan of the enemy. God's plan for us is to not stay hurt, but to allow him to heal the hurt 
as we release it in forgiveness and then move on. And you get a glimpse of his will for the church in general. In Ephesians 4, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There are going to be times where we have to use some effort to get along with one another, some effort to forgive one another, and some effort to allow God to heal those hurts when they occur because they're going to occur. It says there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. God says, I am a God of unity. We are one. We are one. My perfect picture of my church is a church moving in one step following the the leading and guiding of my one spirit. The enemy has an agenda too. It's like, yeah, y'all watch Shark Week. Yeah. Shark Week's coming up in a couple of months, I guess. It's like every summer it happens, you know. A uh, shark can smell a drop of blood miles away in the ocean. It blows me away. One that a drop of blood could even travel that far in the water, you know, if they say it can smell it, and it will track down the source of the blood drop. It comes in, smells it on the water, it's dinner time. The enemy can smell hurt miles and miles away, guys, I'm telling you. This is why it's important for us to not just sit in our hurt, but to process it because it's real and because it happened and find a way to let God begin to heal that because the enemy smells it and he will zero in on you. That's why the old saying goes, hurt people hurt people. Healed people will heal people. Hurt people are a target for the enemy and what he's going to try to do is turn that hurt into bitterness. And if he can get a hold of you and he can take one offense and let you walk out more sensitive because of the hurt and become offended over this person, that person. Now it's not, I'm not just offended over what Russell says. I come to church and now I'm at odds with Russell, but then Travis says something and it sets me off too. I can't believe that. And then Pastor Jeremy says something. So now I got three offenses going on when really I just had one hurt that made me super sensitive to everything else that was happening in the church. And if I had dealt with this, then this wouldn't be the issue that I'm dealing with, but the enemy will come in and he will begin to do his work. And what he'll do is this. He's got a three-step plan. When you're hurt, you watch for it. It will happen every time. Okay? His goal is this. Separation, isolation, and destruction. Okay? God's perfect plan is for unity and peace in his church. Oneness in his church. Satan, his goal is to separate, to isolate, and then destroy. When the hurt occurs, what people naturally want to do is separate themselves from that person while they're processing what happens. And when we do that, we then isolate ourselves. And if you give it enough time, we won't just isolate ourselves from that person. We'll find ourselves isolated from church. You ever found yourself in a season where you were hurt by someone in the church and then you stopped going to church so much to avoid the person you were hurt by? No! Never seen that happen before. I see it all the time as a pastor. All the time. Person A and person B butt heads on something. Usually what happens is either person A or person B is going to magically disappear. Well, did y'all get that resolved? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, just hadn't seen you at church. Oh, I've just been busy. Okay, we had a lot going on. And they'll have a whole lot going on right up until they hear God tell them to go to another church, usually. God will magically speak every time to a person that's hurt and is avoiding somebody else, you know. But the enemy's job and his goal is to get you isolated. And when he's got you isolated and away from the body of Christ and sitting in hurt, which is going to damage your relationship with Jesus, I promise you, you're not going to hear God speak like you could while you got hurt, unresolved in your heart. And he's going to have a heyday with you. And he's going to try to destroy that relationship. He's going to try to destroy your walk with God. He's going to try to destroy your calling. He's going to try to destroy your hope, your future, your family. Anything he can get his hands on because you've given him an inroad in to access your life, he is going to rip it apart and destroy it. Because his ultimate goal is to kill, to steal, and to destroy Every time. 
So separation, isolation, and then destruction is usually what happens because the enemy's working on the backside of hurt that doesn't get resolved. Is this talking to anyone this morning? You guys watching online, give me a thumbs up if this is hitting home. Have you seen this happen in somebody's life? This is how the enemy operates. So I don't just want to talk about hurt today. I want to let you see the big picture, the big picture, God's big picture, and then the enemy's big picture, okay? Because if you don't get the hurt resolved, there's going to be a price to pay, and you are the one that's going to pay the price for the hurt that somebody else caused. I don't want that to happen in your life, all right? Now, I'm not saying get over it. I'm saying, hey, pay attention because there's a lot at work here that goes beyond you being hurt. The enemy's got a plan, and he's trying to take you out. So what am I supposed to do then if I've got some hurt in my life, hurt that happened legitimately? Um, and maybe some questions are coming to your mind right now. I'll just hit pause for a second and say, if you guys will put that Slido up there. I know you guys are staring at that orange screen. Um, Put the Slido information up there. If you've got any questions pertaining to this or anything that might pop in your mind at any point in the message, feel free to, to hop on your phone and um, go to slido.com and put in that number code and ask the questions or you know, uh, request the topic or whatever it is. I don't want you to miss out on that opportunity. Don't feel bad for being on your phone in church either. Um, so what do you do then? Because people legitimately get hurt, the enemy's going to try to destroy you through that hurt. So what do we do then to protect ourselves and to process through this, give it the attention that it's due, and then get on the other side of this and stand on two feet spiritually and move on in what God's called us to do? Uh, let me give you just some practical advice, all right? Number one, don't let it fester. Don't let it fester. Right? If you've legitimately been hurt by somebody, listen, look at the person next to you and say, wake up. Don't let it fester. Don't let it fester. If somebody hurts you, listen, you might have to take a step back and catch your breath a little bit because the hurt is real because the hurt hurts. Okay, we get that. We get that. All right, I'm not downplaying that. But don't let that stuff fester. That little splinter that I talked about earlier, it might not hurt so much if it's in an arm versus up under a fingernail. But if you let it sit in that arm long enough, you go into the doctor. And what could have been something that was solved by a pair of tweezers, now they got to get out the scalpel, and they got to drain, and they got to cut out a whole lot of, mm, okay. Don't let it fester. Don't let it fester. Deal with it as quickly as possible, okay? Go to that person. Go to that person like the Bible says. Say, hey, Look, you might not have meant it, and maybe I just took it the wrong way. But when you said this or you did that, I was being honest with you, I get hurt. And I want to do what the Bible says and come and talk to you because I know you love Jesus and I know you care about me or at least love me and the Lord. And we need to get this worked out. And hopefully they're mature enough to say, you know what, I didn't even mean it that way. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for what I said or what I did. Get it get as soon as possible. Start working on resolving that issue with that person because until you resolve it with that person, it's not resolved. It's not resolved. Okay, resolve it with that person if you possibly can. All right, uh, second thing is this. <laughs> Y'all love me, right? I know we're talking in church, so I've never seen this happen before. If you get hurt by somebody, don't slander the other person. Don't slander the other person. Church people have this indescribable need sometimes to let everybody that they know know that they got hurt by somebody, and they'll tell you exactly what that person said or did just so you can pray for me. Oh, pray for me. Pray for me. You just slandered that person to all of your friends. You should have just kept the issue between you and them. Now you've created a whole brush fire over here off of one small offense or one big hurt that could have been resolved between you and that person or you and that group of people. Now you got half the church involved in what's going on and they didn't even need to know in the first place. Okay, so don't tell me that you're a victim and you're right in the will of God when you've gone and gossiped and slandered to half the church to get justification and recruited an army to yourself to vindicate what has happened to you with that other person. 
Which one's worse? <laughs> okay. That's why you got to deal with it fast so it doesn't come to that. Um, don't slander the other person. And here's a big one. Don't avoid the issue by passiveness or leaving. There is no spiritual gift of passivity. Y'all can write that down. That's a good one. You can tweet that. There is no spiritual gift of passivity. Well, I feel good about it. I think I, I've forgiven them, and I don't have to, we don't have to go any further with it. Okay, you might be okay with it, but are they okay with it? Go talk to the other person and make sure the offense and the hurt is resolved between the two of you, okay? I've, I've, I don't know how many people I've known that have just magically healed over something, and they're okay with it, and they're good, and then they never talk to that other person. Who are you fooling? You're not good with them. You're avoiding them. You're avoiding them. Well, God's speaking to go to it. No, God's not speaking. God is not going to tell you to go to another church if you're leaving because you got hurt or offense with someone in the church that you say you're leaving. God is not schizophrenic. He's not going to tell you to do anything that contradicts his word. His word says go to that person and work it out. His word says to forgive. Where in that process, where in the, the whole Bible do you see? Serve God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength until you get hurt by somebody. Then leave that church in your calling and go somewhere else and hide. You don't see it anywhere. Pastors see it all the time. You don't see it. So, so... There are times when we do need to put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants and deal with some things, okay? Now, I'm not saying that the issue isn't an issue and the hurt doesn't hurt, but you can't stay there forever because you're the one that's losing out. And there are people that you're not going to be able to reach because of that. Um, just looking at Scripture and looking at what we're commanded to do in the Bible, Colossians 3 is a great place to start looking if you want some accountability from the Bible and what you're supposed to do, um, Colossians 3, 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. Whew, let's stop there for a second. Make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, say, hey, realize you guys aren't perfect and allow for that imperfection to come out. Allow for the faults. If I'm budgeting something, I'm going to have an emergency fund that's there that's going to have me some money that's available and allow me to deal with issues as they pop up because I know that problems are going to pop up that will need that money to fix it and address it so that my budget or the, my operating budget doesn't have to be impacted by emergencies that come from my emergency fund because I made an allowance for it. It's there. Okay? We need to make an allowance of love and grace for one another. That's what this, what this verse is saying. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Now listen, it doesn't mean that the hurt doesn't hurt. I get it. <laughs> I get, let's get some coffee and let's talk and let's... Let's, let's compare notes. I promise you, you'll leave that table going, you know what, Pastor Josh understands this hurt stuff. He really does. I promise you, I get it, okay? But I also know that God doesn't intend for us to stay hurt. And his encouragement and really his, his command in Scripture is to forgive, to forgive anyone. This is just echoing the words of Jesus. Forgive those who sin against you. Forgive anyone who offends you. This word forgive is a legal term. It's a legal term when it's used in this instance. It's a legal term. It means to pardon. So we say, make allowance for each other's faults and pardon anyone who offends you. You only get pardoned for something if you're guilty of the crime. Okay? So what he's saying is, in spite of the fact that you've been hurt, in spite of the fact that it's legitimate, in, in spite of the fact that you could go to court right now and they would be convicted of whatever it was that you're saying they did to hurt you and that offense is just as real as it can be. The Bible's saying, hey, pardon that. Even though they're guilty, pardon that and let it go. 
even though by letter of the law they deserve it, let it go and forgive them and pardon them. And here's the big reason why. Remember, the Lord forgave or the Lord pardoned you. So you must forgive others. It's the height of hypocrisy for us to deny somebody the same forgiveness we expect to receive from Jesus. So what it's dealing with here, you know. And I know that can be difficult ground to eventually land on when you're hurt. But eventually you've got to land on that ground. Because the only way for you to move past it and move on with your life is to forgive and to pardon and to let God heal and then move on. Because if you don't, it's never going to go away. And it's slowly going to destroy you. As the enemy does his stuff, and he separates you, he isolates you, and works his destruction in your life and in your calling. Matthew 18, I, I love, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because of what Peter says here with dealing with offenses and other people. Jesus is teaching on forgiving people and, and, and you know, just letting people eventually experience the same love that he's shown us. And Peter's talking to Jesus, and he says, Lord, um, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven. I love this. He's like, I'm looking for a number here, man. All right, if I got to forgive people, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I get that. All right, I forgive people. But how many times do I need to forgive these people, for real? All right, seven times? Is that, is that a good seven's the number of completion, Jesus? Wouldn't you agree that seven should be? That, that should be it. And once they hit seven and they've done it, there is no number eight. It's cut, cut ties, I'm done, I'm ready to move on. That sounds great to me. How about you, Jesus? Seven sounds good. There's a lot of people in life, if I'd had my way, seven would have been great. Three would have been good. One would have been great. You know, back in the day, it's like, you crossed me? No, I don't think so. And then Jesus says, nah, I, I tell you not seven, but 70 times seven. Or 77 times, 70 times 7. Peter says, seven times? Jesus says, eh, about 490. In other words, Jesus is saying, you just got to keep forgiving them. You got to keep forgiving them. But you don't understand what they, yeah, I do. Because I died for them just like I died for you. We don't get the right to be judge, jury, and executioner for people when Jesus died for them the same way he died for us, and we're trying to live under grace but expect them to live under the letter of the law. Can't be a double standard there. And at the end of the day, looking at this, like most of us know, yeah, I know I need, I need to forgive them. You know, and talking about church and hurt, or hurt in church, rather, um, we understand, most of us, what the Bible says. I know I'm going to, but it's the hurt. It's not, it's not the, the offense, it's the hurt that has to be resolved and, and dealt with. And that becomes difficult. That at the end of the day, forgiveness is God's desire, but it's our decision. That's important. his desire but it's our decision and we choose whether or not we're going to operate in forgiveness and we choose whether or not we're going to pardon those people that have hurt us we choose whether or not we're going to take a deep breath and dig deep one more time to put hurt to rest and hopefully see God restore a relationship and definitely be healing to our heart it becomes difficult we kind of pass the buck but it's our decision it always ends with us. When we stand before God, listen to me, church, and you guys watching online, when we stand before God, he's going to hold us accountable for the decisions that we make. Listen, not the actions of other people in our lives. So we need to make sure that we are doing our part to land on solid ground and make the decisions they need to be made according to Scripture. Biblically speaking, 
even though the hurt is real. And Jesus said, it's coming. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're, you're going to hurt. You're going to hurt. And I paid the price to hurt like you hurt so I can look at you and say, I know how it hurts. When you hurt, you don't have the right to hold on to it. You have to forgive just like I forgave you. Man, there are some things I wish weren't in the Bible. And if I had to pick, that would probably be one of them because it's a lot easier to hold a grudge and just look the other way and keep walking than it is to deal with the situation. It's socially awkward. And do what the Bible says to do. If we're not careful, though, whoever's phone's ringing, answer it and say hi for me. Got my pretty little orange summer bag here. I need someone to help. Mark, can you help me this morning? Why don't you come up here, Fred? Come on up here. Go Canes. No, 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 no. Come on up here quickly, quickly, quickly. Thank you, sir. So what most people look like, you know, like, come on up here, stand over here by Dave's little setup. I want to give you this bag, and you're going to represent people in life. I have big balls in here and little balls in here. I want you to pick out some little balls and toss them over to me. Yeah, give me one. Give me another one. All right, that's two. Offenses come our way. Mark has offended me not once but twice, dirty dog. We take those offenses and we hold them. And what we don't realize is this. When we don't release this, now we're carrying extra weight spiritually in our lives. And we're carrying hindrances now. And we feel like we can do a lot because I still got one hand that I can work with and one hand I can do stuff with. I don't realize that I've lost the function of this one because it's busy holding on to the stuff that Mark just threw at me. So a couple of more if you can find them in there. So what happens is, whew, got that one. Oh, yeah. We start getting enough. Now it's not a handful. Now it's a hand and an arm. And we took this stuff around. And eventually, life's going to keep throwing stuff at us. Throw me some more small ones. And what's going to happen is, eventually, I'm going to have my arm and my hands so full that I'm not going to be able to hold them all into myself. You know, people that walk around with a lot of unresolved hurt, that hurt flows out of them eventually because you can't hold that stuff in. It's going to come out. It's going to come out in how you talk to your wife. It's going to come out in how you talk to your husband, how you treat your children, how you respond at work. It's going to come out eventually. You're going to find a place to vent this stuff. You're not going to deal with it, mind you, but you're going to vent it somewhere. And it's always going to spread to those around you. Hurt people hurt people. Don't let that happen in your life. We're carrying this stuff around, and this looks a little silly right now because so I'm carrying all these different colored balls. Throw me another one in. This one I'm able to catch because pastor did something I didn't understand. And now the media guys told me to walk away when I walked up through them, and I told them that the drums were too loud, and they didn't want to hear. Oh, that, oh there goes some more spreading out to other people. And now I see most people don't realize we look like this. Because that hurt in our heart doesn't go away. We just bury it deep. We're carrying it around. And it's affecting us and those around us. And it's killing us spiritually. But we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're tough enough to make it and move on. Because we think things are okay because we got this hand right here. And then God tries to do something awesome in our lives. And I don't want that offense. I don't want that one either. I'm going to spread it to others. Give me a big ball. Give me a big one. So here comes God's blessing. And here's where the real danger is. Because the devil will let you experience just enough to think that you're okay. Wow, that word really moved me. I was excited. Man, that worship was so passionate. I felt the presence of God. Yeah, and you should have released the hurt in the presence of God. And we'll think, okay, we're cool. I got this much of God, and we don't realize that God wants to give us so much more. Throw some more God stuff my way, the big ones. So I got this, but the problem is now I can't carry anymore. I'm full. 
I'm full. And this is where we lose the battle and we don't even realize it. So we trick ourselves into thinking we're okay because we experience just enough to get by. But we forget that we're not walking in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid the price for us to walk in and live in in life. And what we need to do is let go of all of this junk and let God heal and restore so that we can hold everything that he wants to throw into our lives and be everything that he created us to be. Amen? Yeah. Give Mark a hand for helping me out this morning. I'm here to tell you guys, God has a plan for your life. He has a calling on your life. You guys at home watching this, if you're still with me this morning, listen, we're holding on to hurt at the expense of all the joy, of all the peace, of all the love that we could be experiencing. And I want to challenge you today in the name of Jesus to drop that hurt, to step out of the deception of the enemy, to step out of the trap that he's got you in, and to step into the freedom that comes from the blood of Jesus. I want you to step into love today. I want you to step into joy today. I want you to step into peace, into freedom, to rise up and be everything that God has called you to be. In the name of Jesus, don't let this stuff hold you back. You step out of it in the freedom and let God heal and restore your heart because here's the truth there is no love without forgiveness and there is no forgiveness without love we can't operate in the fullness of God's love without forgiving others even when they don't deserve it even when the hurt is real and it's impossible to forgive somebody unless you're coming from a place of love in your heart that can only come from God. The world can't forgive like this. The problem is we're so used to operating like the world that we don't take time to stop and realize we're a new creation. And we operate under a new set of standards. When the world says, I hate you, we're called to say, I love you. And listen, I'm not saying that there isn't a time to part ways in a relationship. It's not what I'm saying, okay? And I'm not saying that be, just because you forgive somebody that there has to be restoration in that relationship, okay? Forgiveness doesn't always mean restoration in relationships. 99% of the time it does. But if somebody's physically abusing you or sexually abusing you, you can forgive them, probably foolish, get back in proximity with that person so there might be forgiveness and healing the restoration of that relationship may not need to take place get that okay that's not what I'm saying I'm not saying we're on the hook to always forgive people and get along with them and be buddy buddy with them no matter what happens no there are exceptions biblically to this in cases of abuse and extreme emotional abuse things like that but it's still our responsibility to forgive now hurts because hurt hurts I want to challenge you step out of that today and let God heal man see when pastors preach this stuff, if they're doing it right, they've let God speak to them all week regarding this stuff. And I had to let go of some things this week that God put his finger on and said, hey, this isn't resolved yet. This, this isn't taken care of. You had the conversation and you restored the relationship, but you didn't let me heal all the hurt. And that's why when you think about that person, you still think of them in a certain kind of way. And that's why when you see them immediately, you go back to way back when. I spent all week making sure God one, I don't want to be a hypocrite and preach this stuff to people and have this stuff in my heart, but 
keep working on me because I don't want to be that person that goes through the motions of life and never lives the life that you intended for me to live. And I don't want you to be that person either. You guys watching online, I don't want you to be that person. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want the enemy to separate you. I don't want you to be isolated. And I don't want him to destroy what God has planned for your life. There is so much more at stake than what they said or what they did. We're talking about your eternity. Because Jesus said that if you forgive those that sin against you, then my Father in heaven will forgive you of your sin. But if you don't, this is a tough one. Says if you don't forgive, and in one in one translation he says, and forgive from your heart, not just your words, but your heart. And neither will my Father in heaven forgive you, because it's hypocritical. It's hypocritical to not show the love and forgiveness to others that we expect to receive from God. And maybe today. We can all take a step in the right direction and let God heal and restore and walk out of here free, walk out of here healed, or at least get the healing process started. Because some of that deep stuff, I get it. Some things don't heal in moments. Some things heal in seasons. But God wants to heal. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning.